0: You'd think in all our advances, when a dragon came from nothing and offered wishes, we'd know not to talk to them.
1: <laughs> I all think the golden age was a bit of a weird time, but that's not the golden age. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, it was. Dun-dun.
0: <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Can I start?
2: Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Guardians to the Omkara Lorecast. I'm Anonpig, Pig, and with us this week we have our fantastic host, Purple Chimera. Hey.
2: How are you?
0: Well, how are you? As, I'm good. As well as a special guest, Kexen, a.k.a. Captain Kex.
1: How are you? I am good. Hello. Boss. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> Thank you for
1: coming on. This week we'll
0: be talking about uh, all about fantastic beasts and where to find them, otherwise known as Amkara. And since we don't know where to find them, just the Amkara. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move into our weekly highlight. Weekly highlights will vary with each episode. They can include community stories, fanfiction, gearing up in text, general hype, grammar, etc., 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 and one more, etc. Uh, this weekly highlight will be given to us by our very special guest, uh, Kevin. Uh, tell us, tell us about this amazing thing that you've created for the lore community.
1: Who is this Kevin? I don't know. You keep calling me that, you know. That, uh, that's your name. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Hi. So uh, yes, is, uh, Captain the the lore. Captain Kev. <laughs> yeah, the Lord. I'll, uh, do you want me to sort of go through a little bit of how how I got started with the lore?
0: Like please tell us everything. Like it's 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 an cuz I I I sort of know how it became a little bit, I think. Maybe all of it. I don't know. Um and it's just really an amazing amazing process and an amazing tool. So tell us how it got started and tell us where it is now.
1: Yeah, sure. So I uh I am a criminal analyst, so my job consists of working with large quantities of data, right? And trying to Understand what it means. So I have a natural sort of interest in in handling large pieces of information, and I have a a couple of tools at work that I use very commonly. And one of them is the analyst notebook. And so um, when Destiny launched, I, I I am not a big I wasn't a big Bungie fan guy. I played Halo, but I only played Halo for its single player. And <clears throat> going in when Destiny was launched, uh, or on launch day rather, I was sort of browsing. I think it was Metacritic, reading the reviews, and I thought, hey, I, I could buy this game. This sounds actually sounds fun. But the, the consistent thing on all these, and I mean Metacritic, is pretty. Uh, mean sometimes to games but uh, the consistent thing was Destiny has no story whatsoever so when I bought it and came, came home I was in the mindset that this game doesn't have a story so I was actually kind of surprised when I played the game and realized there is story it's just sort of hidden away from view so I mean, it's not your uh, typical and I know this is not how they intended it but this was my sort of experience with it that uh, it's not like your common action movie that just in your face pushes everything up to you in two hours to show you why this is happening and again going back to my work if i get a call and we're going out to an address i only get that job you need to go to a and do b you don't get listen you're going out to a this is your mission this is the background for this mission and I actually thought it was kind of cool with Destiny. It sends you on all these quests, but you're never told really why. You're just told the how. You you told what you need to know, and that was actually kind of fitting for me for the sort of the Destiny uh, the Destiny world. You you wake up as a guardian and you you go on this epic quest, but you don't really know why. So I was was very interested in finding out the why, mm-hmm. uh, and I wanted you to, to sort of approach it as I do with my uh, with my uh, work. So uh, I started looking into possibilities to use Analyst Notebook to uh, analyze the lore. So I went online and I started searching for Grimoire sites and I found a lovely site called the Ishtar-Collective-Net. Mm. Uh, I think you've heard of it before, right? Yeah, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah, Once or twice. <laughs> yeah good. Uh, and I uh, went to another uh, a couple of other sites, sorry Baxter, and I started sending out requests. <laughs> hey, can I get the, uh, the data? Because you need data to start analyzing. And nobody replied. Nobody. Not even ishtar collective.net. So that was kind of bumming out. So I, I mean, time went on. I think uh, the Taking King was released. And then uh, Ishtar Collective got featured on the Destiny Lore subreddit. And I thought, hey, why not um, see if I can coax a reaction from him? So I was very quick in on the thread and wrote, "Yeah, it's a great site, but the customer service it sucks because they never reply to emails." And I mean, knowing Baxter <laughs> now, the founder of the Short Collective, I played with him. I played with him a lot, and um, I've probably offended him a lot <laughs> when I wrote that. But I mean, what do you know? Two hours later, I had an email. From Baxter. Hello, and over That's the course him. of a, uh, over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and over the course of a couple of days, uh, we uh, sort of sent data back and forth to get and get a data that was um, adaptive enough for the Analyst notebook to import it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what analysis notebook does? Well, it's sort of a, a mesh of a mind map and a database. So it becomes sort of a visual database. It has, It's like an enormous mind maps and it's built up from sort of two things. There are entities with, which are people and uh, places and beings and whatever. Uh, Shacks, for instance, would be a entity. Mm-hmm. And you have on the other side links that connect entities with each other and tell you how are they connected. So if you had um if you have uh, shacks on the other one side and you have toilet gap on the other, those are entities and they are connected with a link that would say fought at
0: so and then, that's, uh, hmm? just just so, so people can sort of get a picture in their head what this essentially uh has become is sort of like one of those conspiracy cork boards or uh <laughs> crime in, crime investigation cork boards where they they pin the photo of shacks and then they say there was this event called Twilight Gap, and they'll put the red string from Shaxx to Twilight Gap because they're
1: connected. Right? Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's a great example. That's better than mine. Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, so so imagine that wall with mm-hmm. about 10,000 10, pictures, mm-hmm. uh, ju- just general pictures of everything that's in the database. That was sort of the starting point for the log. And then over a course of a couple of months, I massaged the information. I mean, Baxter gave me the their awesome web categorization. So I had Osiris as an entity, and all those little strings were attached to all the things that his site has identified as Osiris items. Mm-hmm. So I took those, moved them out of the site, started organizing them, put them up in the way that you can read them. And I did this with, with almost... Every item. I started with Grimar and, and went from there. I still have, I think, about three thousand items from uh, original Destiny to to go through. Original. Um, yeah. yeah, from vanilla.
0: So then you'd still have Dark Below House of Wolves taking King and Rise of Iron as well.
1: Uh, sorry, you you broke up a little. What did you say? So you'd still
0: have Dark Below House of Wolves taking King and Rise of Iron to go.
1: No, no, no. Those those were complete. Um, oh, okay. So I just have the, the sort of the vanilla base items left. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always started with the, n- the newest stuff first. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's also the most fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I've gone through like two or three um, changes in how I structure information. Uh, so i probably spent about a thousand hours now working on it. That's crazy. Uh, because you have to do... Uh, you have to position everything and if, when you position stuff like if you go i've got one uh sort of box for rasputin and a collapse i mean mm-hmm. that that part alone took like a week and you have to move around stuff to make it sort of semi-readable yeah yeah um, so yeah i'm at a point now when i'm happy with how it's structured i've got the basic sort of lower down uh, and it's uh, I put a, a PDF preview online that you can look at uh, that you hopefully can link for people to look at.
0: Yeah, of and course. I was about to say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's basically the log. It's like a giant mind map that takes uh, takes a long time to load, and it's a little bit sluggish to move around in. But there's a free software you can download uh, to look at Analyst Notebook files. So if mm-hmm. you're interested, that can be downloaded, too, from my Reddit post. Uh, Reddit uh, subreddit that's the word
0: yeah you so, know yeah. uh remind me because i know i'll forget but we'll get the <laughs> we'll get the links at the end of the show we'll, we'll tweet them out uh alongside everything
1: yeah and so, now, so uh, the last uh, i guess yeah, uh, i was going through the books of sorrow like the mm-hmm. just now and it's insane like it's like a spider web i must yeah. say Septicius is good at at writing coherent lore
0: <laughs> well uh one thing i just want to say or ask rather is i know what it is i i know uh how it was named but you keep calling it you keep calling it by its name the the uh lorg chart but uh what what exactly is a lorg that's a pretty weird word
1: yeah, the the Lord was uh, I think it was X-ray four four one for the, yeah, for was. the uh, Ghost Stories podcast that came up. It's the lore organizational chart, and right. it's it's I think it's kind of tacky, but I, I sort of like it. And it, this like became it. like the Lorg mind, and yeah, uh, Sherbet Pop made an awesome sort of uh, drawing for it. That's my uh, logo. So Avatar. I mean, yeah, nice. Avatar. Thank you. Um, and I, I mean, you helped a lot, I don't think, in the beginning when I was working through trying to uh, primarily go through Fallen. I remember <laughs> you and I hashed out a lot over those things. So, I mean, um, there's a there's a section up top on the left uh, in the Lord yeah. with people who I contributed. And I mean, people in this, in this community are awesome. I mean, I got people who went out and sort of categorized the whole uh, Mars went on to Mars, checked what type of enemies, where, what faction are they, and who are they fighting against, and that sent me back the, the data because I have two kids and I can always can't uh, play that much. So yeah. I mean, I love you all who helped me. You know who you are, and you can check the log if you want to know who
0: yeah because uh as 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 great as this net is it's very much just grimoire cards items it doesn't really have the depth of what's actually going on in the game so you you sort of get the surface of the uh the enemies that you're fighting but with the lord chart uh what i remember actually uh, talking to you with was we were getting uh, the house banners specifically stuff like that. So it would actually and then um, like the last time I remember like actually talking about it, you were really going into the cabal, and you were getting uh, not only the cabal faction uh, like logos like for the siege dancers, siege dancers, the dust giants, uh, whatever they are, sand eaters, like not just that but actually for their ranking system as well. Uh, so you, you go like a full another layer uh, deeper than anything else has. And that's, that's, that's a really impressive uh, tool to have and uh,
1: depth to reach. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, Cabal took a lot of time and it's funny mm-hmm. because I, I got I get mentioned as a cabal expert, and the only thing I did was actually <laughs> sort Before of the research end. them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah man, one of the good things about Analyst Notebook you, is not, you can structure information according to how you perceive like the ranks in cabal. And when we when I started this, you, I, we started realizing that there are insignias on each of the cabal units in game, so you can actually mm-hmm. structure them. According to what type of um, how high up in the cabal hierarchy they are yeah and uh,
0: just to sort of like paint, paint the picture of what people would get because I really do hope you get more people to be looking at a, at the lore chart with um, the fallen category you have this this hierarchy chart being displayed to you visually displayed to you where the Kel is sitting on top. And ether starts from him, and you can see the line that represents ether flowing downward because the Kel gets all the ether, and then he just gives the scraps of it well, not the scraps of it down to, mm-hmm. the, to the Archons, to the Captains, to the Vandals, to the Dregs. And then the opposite is seen in the Hive category because they have, an, they have a system of tithing where the Thrall give to the Acolytes, give to the Knights, give to the above and above and above. So it really uh, visualizes the lore for people, which might be a
1: easier way for them to uh, grasp it. Yeah, I don't think so. You get you sort of get a visual representation at the same time that you can read the information. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then, as you say, I mean, if you go to Ishtar and, and search, you can click around all these things. But here you get everything sort of on this big canvas, and you can just go around and follow the links and yeah. see where it takes you. It's, it's just,
0: it just adds a, it adds a new layer of depth uh, to the lore, and it's a really impressive tool that people should take advantage of. Thank you.
1: All right. And I, well, I uh... mean, I, I love working with it. It's so, it's so much fun, and it's such a challenge. I mean, I'm used to structuring information for, like, a paper, a piece of paper, so you can pre- quickly print it, get into a car, and, and sort of brief a tactical team on their way. But mm-hmm. I mean, that that rarely happens when you're talking about lore. I'm not going to be called up <laughs> at three in the morning by Professor Broman. He's like, I'm on stream and you got to tell us about the hive now. That's not going to happen.
0: I'll,
1: I'll call you at three in the morning. I got you. Yeah. That, <laughs> okay, that would and be so cool big. though if it did. <laughs> it would be not be coherent. And I don't have a printer that can print this, this canvas, I don't well, this, know this how many, big it is. But. This many pages
0: yeah <laughs> it <laughs> the it rainforest. Of... it's okay guys i got all the lore <laughs> printed out can't carry it but i got it all yeah <laughs> all right well then uh let's move on to our main topic uh, the reason we're all here the ahamkara uh so uh forrest you want to get us uh, started here
2: sure so the ahamkara have always been a special point of interest um in Destiny since the beginning of the game and like most any fantasy game needs to have dragons so here are our dragons but Destiny takes place in our universe theoretically we don't have dragons so where did they come from? um, We're not really sure but they seem to have a connection to the Traveler and in the Books of Sorrow verse 5-3 um, called I'd shut them all Inselves, in cells. In mm-hmm. cells. Says pre and sacrifice uttered by Zivu Arath, god of war. Harmony. When the traveler passed across Harmony, it lied to the orbits of ten worlds. Now they orbit the black hole. The traveler lied to the accretion disk, so that it would give warm light to these worlds. The gift mast. When the traveler left Harmony, it made a monument out of the black hole's polar jet. In the jet, there is a hollow mast which sings in radiance. This is the gift mast, and we will devour it. We will eat the sky out of it. We will snap it like bone. The Harmony Sting The Harmony have weaponized their dead star. They can stimulate the accretion disk to fire relativistic plasma plasma jets. We will take the sting. We will use it to burn their worlds. I will grant one temple of tribute to the first ascendant to kill a world. Oryx. I will have the gift mass to feast on. I will have it first. I am Jivu-Orath, and all war is my temple. Beware the daughters of Oryx, for they make and unmake with ease. Savathun. The deceitful sister will be distracted by Arcana and the Song of the Black Hole. Treat her broods with contempt. The Traveler. We chase it and we will devour it. The deep will rule the cosmos. The dragons. Our gods should be ours alone. Their smug freedom is an insult to me. I'd shut them all in cells. Bring them to me.
0: Hmm. So uh, then, powerful, devastating dragons that we hunted into extinction. Ghost Fragment, Legends 3. After great deliberation, it was determined that the Amkara be made extinct. It was not an easy decision. Power had been obtained from the bargains, and the city needed power. Knowledge had been gleaned, and the Ahamkara knew answers to questions no one had known to ask. But the price was too high. No edict or forbearance seemed to stop guardians from seeking them out, driven by hope or vengeance or despair. <clears throat> they called... The call had to be silenced, so the great hunt did its work. And thus the Alamkara were made of, made extinct. Their call silenced, their solipsistic flatteries erased, their great design, if ever existed, broken. Of this you can be assured, O oh reader mine. Dun-dun. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Kexton, why don't you uh, take the next two, since I know you wanted to read Warlock.
1: Yeah, Let's make it easier. I'll, yeah. So, with the Rise of Iron, uh, we learned about the Rise of Guardians, and the Rise of true civilization, the Rise of the City Age. There is much debate on the exact point, when when we entered this age, and the dragons may be a turning point. So, the City Age rumor card reads, When did the City Age begin? Perhaps when the bulk of the world's survivors lived beneath the traveler, rather than in the wilderness. Or when the Titans raised the first wall, or at six fronts, when the city first faced coordinated an overwhelming attack and repelled it decisively. The city did not rise with struggle. Warlords and wilderness fiefdoms? fiefdoms? How do you say that? Fiefdoms. Yeah. Clung with power. Starvation, disease, and anarchy menaced. But the guardians held the frontier and the children of the Golden Age kept the fire burning through the long climb back. Legends walk through this history. The Iron Lords, Saint Fourteen's crusade against the Fallen, the Mask of the Speaker, the great Ahamkara hunt, Tolan's madness, terrible faction wars, and the Horring disastrous effort to retake the moon. As the city learned to walk again, it found a world overrun by alien menace. It faced disaster and defeat. Even in the recent years, as Guardians began to venture back to the Moon and the inner planets, the city's territories have withdrawn, out of sections abandoned and converted into fortifications in the wake of the battle, battle of Twilight Gap. But the city's shipwrights and foundries hum with energy. The probability kilns and, and work cooperatives produce new wonders. Darkness is rising again, but so is the light.
0: Now, uh, before we go into that, the next card, there's something I just noticed, and I'm so mad. <laughs> did, did anyone else notice anything about this card that Bungie just gave to us and we never noticed until year three? The city did not rise without struggle. Warlords and wilderness fiefdoms clung to power.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's always been there.
2: Yeah, and no one. The
1: warlords part, yeah, yeah. Sure, no one. <laughs> <laughs> what's the What's the What? What is a feudum?
2: Ah. So, it's it's like a um. In it's like you know what the, it is.
0: I just don't know the. In the
2: dark of it. age, in the dark ages and middle ages, um, you would have like a person who ruled over an area like a baron or something um, and he had kind of control over an entire area where there are a lot of um, slaves or or indentured servants that were tied to the land and it was like his oh. own little kingdom
0: gotcha yeah. a fiefdom is a fief which is an estate of land especially one held on condition of feudal service so exactly what the warlords were it's we own this land, or we'll kill you. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> so you want me to read uh, the Ghost Dragon Warlock now?
0: Yeah, because that's the that's yeah. the uh, one that you wanted to read, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love that card. Okay. So, um, I mean, that's rather impressive. A powerful beast like Ahamkara, wiped out in a great hunt. Although it does raise the question: what exactly was this warlock so worried about? So, Ghost Dragon Warlock. <clears throat> Why did I set her on, this, on the trail? You try and try to explain, but no one ever understands. No one who's not a warlock, who hasn't spent a dozen years scouring the ruins for one string of symbols, one clean coat, one black talon. Titans just make that humphing noise. If they have stayed awake. Hunters clean their nails with their knives, and look at you like you grow on a third eye. But when you've spent your life searching through arcana for ancient power, you have the urge to reach out and educate others. Like we do. Especially if you had too man one too many. Hopefully like like we have. Nah, she's not my type at all. We play dice, cards, war games, you know the usual stuff. I'd never tried to show off before. I don't know what came over with me. I had a broken vertebrae in my pocket that I borrowed from yes, borrowed. I was going to put it back. What do you think you are? My conscience? It was a fossil uh, that means mineral replacement a rock, basically. They can survive a few hours in my pocket. Do shut up. The cryptos <laughs> weren't going to notice it. Everyone knows the Ahamkara's were hunted to extinction. There's nothing to be afraid of anymore. Think of how mysterious in this system is, I said. How much life sprang up when the traveler came. Like the Ahamkara. Do you know the legends? The dragon that made promises? And I pulled out a fossil with a flourish. She pulled out her knife and started to pick the dirt from her nails. That set me off. You could never have brought one down one of these, I said. Ever. Not the greatest hunter, not the brawniest titan. Her eyes narrowed. She said, oh, is that so? And I saw right then that she wasn't going to pass on the challenge. I have murdered a guardian, I thought. She's going to die. It'll be my fault. And I looked at the piece of spine in my hand and wondered, why did I say that? What moved me to such pride? Mm. Ooh, I love that card. It's so good. <laughs> also, it shows you the true nature of which which class is the best one. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, most easily affected by fossils.
1: <laughs> do that's, shut up. That's what... <laughs> it,
2: I do think it's interesting, though... That um, they we keep getting keeps getting brought up that they've been hum- hunted to extinction, yeah. but there's all these little hints like, well, maybe not.
1: Yeah, and I mean it, it's sort of a yeah, it sort of goes against itself, right? He says there's nothing to be afraid of anymore because they're been hunted to extinction. Yet he says I've murdered a guardian. I mean that sort of contradicts itself in in the same sentence.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think the obvious reason there is just because if you tell everyone there's no more Ahamkara, no one's gonna go looking for them. Yeah. But it, obviously, there uh, there still is. Obviously. Uh, well, we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, purple
2: okay um, so well like we said uh, they were supposedly hunted to extinction um, but we, ha- we have um, they have an importance and fascination with their fossils so let's look at a couple of these fossils from the ahamkara um, which are items so we have the claws of the ahamkara which say Look at all this life, O oh bearer mine. There is so much left to burn. And then the sealed Ahamkara grasps, say, Plating the Ahamkara bones in silver helps to quiet the auditory hallucinations, O oh bearer mine. <laughs> and then the skull of that dire Ahamkara <clears throat> says, Reality is the finest flesh, O oh bearer mine. And are you not hungry? And the young Ahamkara spine say, Give me your arm, O oh bearer mine. Let me help you fill the world with teeth.
0: Hmm.
2: Which so really... it's really
0: building this... Uh... Sorry, what were you going to say? I
2: was just going to say, they seem to have this thing with teeth. Maybe it's because they're really hungry all the time. I'm not really sure what's <laughs> going on with the teeth.
0: Well, personally, oh. um, sorry. Uh, personally, when, when I first started like really diving into the Alamkara lore... I took teeth to mean um, <clears throat> more of a metaphor, actually, for not not actual physical teeth, uh, thank God, but for <laughs> uh, to be like vicious, to be aggressive, to be the the carnivore, you
1: know, the attacker, not the the passive, you know. Sure. There's also a a sort of interesting connection that it's on. Uh, two items that give you grenades, right? So uh-huh. Karl's Spine gives you another grenade. Void Fang, mag- Void Fang Vestments give you another grenade. Both of those mention teeth.
2: Mm.
1: Also, there's Spine Items, or would the Void Fang could be a Spine Item, but... Mm. Yeah,
0: I don't know if the Void Fang vet- uh, Vestments would be a Spine Item, but you actually... No. <laughs> Getting I have my, little, my
1: own little theory. You're little getting a little out of yeah,
0: sorry. <laughs> so, uh... These are all exotic armor peaches, pieces featuring the fossils of Amkara, and all of them feature a key line, "O bearer mine. There are two other exotic armor pieces that are associated with the Amkara. But I put in three, because I meant to say three, not two. Uh... So, <laughs> as, uh... Well, the scales of just, uh... EO
1: is not, not an exotic item, so you're technically correct, yeah. right?
0: Yeah, that's clearly what I meant. Of uh, course.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, so as uh, Captain Kev there just said, the void Voidfang vestments, uh, this came back in year one. You will dream of teeth and nothing else, scratched behind a buckle. Uh, this back in year one was being heavily speculated to be be associated with the Ahamkara and in my opinion it very much was um, I, f- I feel like it was pretty widely agreed upon based on its association with the teeth like it's you know with the young Ahamkara's spine as uh, Kexon was just saying there but what sort of irks me is the next one Bones of Eo, which reads Defy Extinction is uh, denied to be in Ahamkara uh, armor because it doesn't say Oh Mine but Voidfang Vestments which are just Warlock Robes were agreed upon to be Ahamkara mm-hmm. Bones of Ao which physically have actual Ahamkara bones as their armor is not, it's, it's not Ahamkara armor it doesn't say Oh bearer Mine uh, but then just to finish up this a little bit The third item, the non exotic uh, Titan artifact, the scales of Ao, says, We stand upon our unending deaths. And uh, once again, that just goes in with defy extinction Uh, Ao, Aos, defy extinction, stand upon unending deaths. Um, Which is actually a bit of a, a callback to the fact that the Amkara were apparently hunted into extinction. Now we're being told, defy extinction, and we stand upon our uh, our unending deaths. And even though we have killed some, it's pretty clear they're not entirely gone. But, uh, Kex, did you want to say what you were going... what you yeah, in there? Yes.
1: now? Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I think it's very interesting. If you look at the um, sort of the different... First, I mean... It's. I want to point out, It's really creepy that the young hamkar spine still moves, and I that's a whole that. another level of creepy. And that's on next Jan, yeah, where people have probably catched up now. Um, so it's it's interesting because you can see similarities in how the bones, what type of bone it is, and how it, it affects the wielder, right? So you have the claws of a hamkar, and you have the uh, the grasp of a hamkar, and those both affect melee, and it adds you another melee. Um, and it's worn on the arms. And then you have, like, the young spine of Ahankara and you have the Voidfang vestments. Uh, both grab you another grenade. Now, um, the, the Aham, young Ahamkara spine is very clear. That's a spine you have on your arm. But uh, the Voidfang vestments is so a little bit different. I mean, that's the basis of what you were talking about. The discussion in year one was this connected to the Ahankara But... Uh, if you look at the back of it, it has sort of a weird metal thingy going down your spine. Perhaps that's very foily, I know. Uh, there's something there. But they both add uh, another grenade. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the standouts. I mean, you have bones of Ao. We don't have any other Ankara things on the legs right now. So that gives you another charge. So it seems that the wish-granting effect could be that it adds another another grenade another uh, whatever you want except the skull which which is sort of its own little thing and doesn't add that it improves a specific effect in the ciphering skills of the war bo- void walker.
0: Mm. so that, that's interesting aside from the skull though that I actually never realized that every cara um, piece gives you an extra
1: yeah. It's, it grants you issues. I mean, no, <laughs> it feels almost feels like that's the point of it. But then, like I say, the the skull hmm. really sort of breaks that pattern with affecting a specific thing and also making you tougher when you throw your war, a war, nova bomb. Hmm.
0: It's, it's, it's still uh an interesting uh, yeah I connection so. there.
1: It okay. would be interesting to see if this this sort of trend continues
0: mm. it would i i'm I'm a little surprised that we didn't get anything in Rise of iron
1: for uh um, Kara,
0: to be or honest
1: like, no we didn't <laughs> no I mean what you mean sorry oh. I... <laughs> but
0: uh but the artifacts of the lost dragons don't stop there because there is one last, a rare artifact for hunters, the Ahamkara scale. And this ends the story between the hunter and the warlock seen in Ghost Fragment Warlock, and that warlock thought I couldn't do it. Ha! <laughs> so, sort of, it sort of confirms that there are Ahamkara still out there.
1: Or scales to be found, but yeah. I suppose. <laughs> well, he said he couldn't, thought I couldn't do it, and he sort of said you can bring one down. So yeah, it supports that theory.
2: Well, there's also this other, um, item. It's a hunter item. Yeah. The long tomorrow.
0: Hmm. Um,
2: Mm -hmm. that, that says some of them survived. I know a fellow says he saw a wish dragon on Jupiter a ways back. So just that paired with the Ahamkara scale quote. It's like, okay there's at least one somewhere.
1: Named that, Ao.
2: <laughs> missing a scale.
1: <laughs> Maybe not named Ao.
2: Probably Maybe. not.
1: <laughs> I mean, the bones yeah. of Ao is interesting, right? Because you have a bone circle as well on um, on the leg, which is a item from End. Mm-hmm. and End. So that, that gives you all kinds of, of theories. But the scales of Ao stand out also against the bones of Ao, because the scales of, EO of EO, Ao, Ao, uh, or snake-like yeah. in its nature, right? And
0: look,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this, the scales
0: of Ao are very uh, interesting because, in yeah. my opinion, what they actually uh, represent is is what you were sort of saying, snake-like. It looks like an yeah. Ahamkara shed its skin and someone bound it together with, uh, like, leather, like, leather uh, rope. Yeah. And just, that's, that's what it is. While the Ahamkara scale... Is more like the armor scale for them, like not their underbelly, where it's all smooth and fleshy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have you petted El on a car underbelly?
0: Yeah, when I went to Australia.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Those That's are land sharks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Australia, Jupiter. It's all yeah. the same. Whatever. The same distance. <laughs> I'm just mad that this is saying Guardians are just going out to Jupiter.
2: Yeah, why can't we go Casually. to Jupiter? Well,
1: he, he saw one past Jupiter. I mean, he could have a giant telescope.
0: I mean, that's a, that's a good point. I really doubt that's what it is. but <laughs> Yeah, no, <laughs> like I they, don't know. Uh... <laughs> like that, if we really were to actually get to press Bungie to like force us an answer, like, why can't we go to Jupiter? That can be what they said. We never said he went. <laughs> he saw.
1: Here's Jupiter in the skybox. <laughs> uh,
0: seems like they might be hiding out past the last place the light touches, but where else could they be? Uh, so that will bring us into uh, a, a blue set from uh, Taken King that really pisses me off that they did this, but from Taken King that carried on in The Rise of Iron. And didn't replace the blue sets in Rise of Iron. We still have them. <laughs> Good sets. <laughs> uh, starting with the Lantern Bond, not to be confused with the Dawning uh, Lantern set. This is different. Uh, this bond represents the one thing Albios took with him into the swamp: a single lantern. Then uh, the Salin, Salin Fen uh, set. Uh, Kexon, do you want to take this? These these uh, armor pieces.
1: Sure. So the Salasin Fen robes say he lived his fourth life in the swamps of Venus beneath the shade of a willow tree, and that's contributed to the five lives of Albios. Um, and the in Fen hood says, "Why a willow tree? It was only it was, it was his only roof. The swamp had consumed everything else." The in Fen gloves says, "It wasn't until his fifth life that the Ahamkara spoke to him." By then, it was too late. And the Boots say, not a trace of him is left, only the swamps of Venus remains, the five lives of Albios. Uh, And the five lives of Albios is woven in honor, to honor the last stand of Albios. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And there's a a quote from a quest when you go to talk to a Korra, that's attributed to Albios, when you enter the void for the last time make it count. Back to you, Aino Pig. Yes,
0: yes, back to me, back to me. Well, see, the thing about what we try to do here is stall for time, because I forgot to add this into the notes. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But to be be serious, uh, is that we like to have uh the lore that we present in this first half be lore without without as as little speculation as we can maybe ask a question but never so much as say this or that Probably. uh so the ahamkara has very little lore people might notice this is going on to be a little bit shorter than normal, but we will have after I find this page uh. Oh god damn it. Uh, We <laughs> will be getting into uh, some theories. Uh, Kevin has a great theory. God, <laughs> stop <laughs> that! <laughs> Insider, there, there. Oh, there it is. There it is. Okay. So, since it's not in, it's not uh, on ishtarcollective.net I, I forgot to gather uh, what Cade so kindly left behind for us in his journal. This is the journal from the Taken King Collector's Edition. Uh, yeah. So I will just just, uh, read from his journal, which is sort of rude to do, but I don't care. (laughs) He's the one who gave it to us. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's true. He did (laughs) leave us a note saying, if you found it, like, it's yours now. You have a knack for finding things. You're badass. Let's meet up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that last part actually on the... No, okay.
0: It's it's (laughs) not word for word. I'm paraphrasing. It's on yours,
1: yeah. It's not on everybody else's. It's just on yours.
0: Yeah, uh... Nathan Fillion wrote mine <laughs> <It's> special. <laughs> the coast is different, beautiful and unbroken and timeless. It teems with new life. Every big brain in the system has their sights set on the academy. We were there for the Amkara, parasite reptilian critters that appeared out of thin air, inexplicable genome, new proteins, so much poten- Potential and that's really all he has to say on the Ahamkara. he he goes on to start like writing kade plus maya sundarash in hearts forever <laughs> and mr dr maya sundarash it's it's embarrassing but so uh that that's, that's this is uh teaching us that uh, along with the other uh, statement here in the salas and Fen uh, boots um, yeah. That the Ahamkara were on Venus, and that raises the question: Was Albios a guardian? That's a very good question. Mm. So let's let's uh, put put that marker down right here. That is the lore. That is what we know about the Ahamkara. What we just said is what we know about them. We're gonna we're gonna get a little spin foil here. uh, uh, There's
1: one item left, right, that isn't mentioned here. The Lord Gilliam card does mention uh, Ahamkara.
0: That's true. Yeah, but he just talks about how their bones are flexible or not flexible. He doesn't actually go into detail about Ahamkara bones are brittle.
1: There you go. (laughs) Recovered. Well, I... (laughs) It just It's an interesting point that in, in in the card it says between the roots and ashes of the tree that covers his den, Galeon has stacked the fallen bones collected from that one-night operation. They, the scavenged pieces of Ahamkara of an Ahamkara. So, and only goes on to explain all of them. But it's, it's it's still an interesting thing that bones are present on uh, Earth mm-hmm. from the fallen. That's the you point know, wanted to make one when we're still in real lore territory
0: that's a a good that is a good point scavengers so uh that they would wherever they found the bones they could have found those out in jupiter and just brought them back to us uh that was a good point to bring up i left it out because it just didn't really have anything substantial to teach us about the (laughs) alamkara Yeah, it doesn't. As as much as I was like really hoping to make this a, a Gellion Amkara podcast, I was like, Oh <laughs> no, he just he just picked them up. He didn't <laughs> really do anything with them. But uh, so I think there's a this important distinction throughout the lore uh, with all sorts of characters. Uh, are they a guardian? And Albios is one that we I feel like we should ask is he a guardian saying the five lives of albios it's sort of like yeah all guardians have more than five lives why is that important and then to say like you know woven in honor of the last woven to honor the last stand of albios
1: but uh well he does enter the void and that's yeah. sort of a typical thing for Voidwalkers, for or, or uh, Warlocks, or uh, Guardians to do, right?
0: That, that's, yeah, well, yeah, for uh, Warlocks, that's a good point.
1: That to me supports the fact that he's a uh, uh, a Guardian.
2: I certainly would think so. I mean, based yeah, on I'm... this, like it it seems like it. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he if it turned out that he wasn't, but. It seems a reasonable conclusion.
0: Yeah, until, and until, old... just now, I, until just now, I would have been surprised if it was like, Albios isn't a Guardian. I'm like, what? Because like, in my head, I just built him up to be a Guardian. But looking at it again, it almost seems like he might not be.
1: Really? Um, we don't know of any non-Guardians going to Venus after in the... Uh, unless you count this as... Oh, you this count could be this... Golden
0: Age. Oh, okay. Because based on what we know, like the Ahamkara shouldn't be on Venus post-collapse. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they. Were. It's really hard to say. Like We don't know the exact timeline of events. The Vanguard issued the Great Hunt. So this means the City Age issued the Great Hunt. So at what point did the Ahamkara stop showing up on Venus?
1: Yeah, I see your possibility. Yeah. So. I was. I would still go with it's likely that he's a guardian, but I can see your point. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's likely. Mm. I just like to uh to mm. question. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Uh. Oh, actually, <laughs> that's something that I put there. And uh, the question here is: Did Albios venture after them before the hunt, uh, or was that during the hunt? Was he going? Was he hunting Ahamkara during the great hunt, or was this before it even happened? Or was this the turning point? Was this the final, like, was this the vanguard going, nope, we cannot let this happen again. It is hmm. done. Ahamkara, hunt them now. Uh, it's
2: possible that that's why yeah. it, it, it he was immortalized in this way.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, why is, why is indeed. he called out? Yeah. Why, why does he have all these? Why does he have a bond? Two bonds. This bond represents the one thing Albios took with him in the swamp a single lantern and woven to honor the last stand of Albios. Like, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot was, of
1: ways they can go with it. Perhaps he was part of the, the greater Honkara hunt, and that's why he's immortalized. But I mean, it stands mm. out as why, like you say, why should we? Why is Albios important?
0: So actually, uh, actually, I would say uh, I would be surprised if he was a uh, human. Thinking about it more, it seems like he was more connected to the vanguard. Yeah,
1: I I, swear. I, I, I agree.
0: Well then, uh, so, uh, Captain Kev, uh, you have a theory for us on the Ahamkara, and I am
1: a huge fan of this theory. Uh, are we talking the Timur one?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the one that uh, you sent me. Yeah. I want to read that for everybody, for yeah. uh, everybody listening and for uh, Purple, since it's her first time
1: listening. I to actually it. did send it to her, too, so she oh, could well. on, comment <laughs> on it. So You're not special. Sorry.
0: Yeah, I thought uh, I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'm were gonna... until
1: you started hooking <laughs> up with uh, Baxter and stealing him from me. Uh, <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> hi. <laughs> Uh, So, yeah, I've got a little theory that I've been working on, and it sort of stems from my Lorg research. When I'm working, I read every item uh, to to see if I can position it in some way, and then something sort of stuck out to me. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Timur and how I think he's connected to the Ahamkar. So uh, we'll start about sort of defining Timur. And Los Erldin talks about Timur. He talks about all the... um, He's he's reminiscing, right, in the uh, Mysteries 3 card about all the old old, uh, Iron Lords. So he defines Timur as Timur's questions. So Timur is, to him, known as a person who's asking a lot of questions. And uh, uh, the memory of Timur item the artifact speaks also well of his desired knowledge. so it says ask strange questions. Our questions shape the reality that answers them Lord Timo. and this part also the uh, the reality is an interesting thing. It, it comes up at quite some time when you're talking about void walkers as well but it's a nice sort of an interesting uh, connection that I will be, be building a little bit on. And, I mean, it is the finest flesh, oh listener mine. Um, And uh, if we go and look at what Game Informer said about Timur in their uh, up to uh, their reports about what uh, Rise of Iron would be, they said, Timur was creepy and misunderstood. Uh, Timur's warlock powers and demeanor almost recall those of a controlling necromancer. Guardians willing to flirt with shadow can take up Timur's artifacts. And if you haven't gotten the item that uh, if you use melee, uh, it can make low-level minions of the darkness an ally for you for 30 seconds. It's so much fun. It is so disper- it's disturbing when it happens. You don't really realize this. Uh, let's see, let's go on. Timur's powers are described in the Lord Timur card. So Timur continues forward. And I've cut out a section. This is not the whole card. Uh, Timber continues forward, grasps the brass familiar around his neck, and closes his eyes. A slight hum rises, and his trance takes him deep into the Sea of Shanks, his trusted lash raised, and tearing his path through the darkness. Uh, Fellwinter is slow to follow, but fast enough to witness Timber's focus turn Shanks by the pack against their fallen keeper, chasing him back towards the sea. So I mean, clearly Timur had powers that are unlike anything we've had previous or heard of previously. Uh, and I mean, Timur's lash was a uh, year one weapon from um, the right, um, Iron Banner. There we go. So I mean, he has a really interesting ability to. I mean, also what the mm, is his lash? We haven't seen that. Visualized is that his gun he's using,
0: either
2: that or he's a cowboy and he has a whip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that. And herding his uh, his pack of uh, they actually call it a pack of shanks. Confirmed. Yeah, yeah, confirmed.
2: He wears a, a cowboy. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm gonna add that to the lore later. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, let's see. His bond from year one also has an interesting description, right? Uh, Only those forged in light can stand against the lurking shadows. So again, I mean, you connects back to the Game Informer. He clearly has powers that are not sort of connected to shadows, and that's lowercase shadows. Uh, also, he's familiar, and I think that's a really interesting thing. His f- brass familiar around his neck, and he grasps bits and, and pulls out this uh, uh, storm trance. And this sort of comes back to I know you, you forbade me to talk about it, but <laughs> there's a, this interesting connection back to the worm gods from, from the books of sorrow. Uh, They're similar speech patterns. Um, oh, the the reality is the finest flesh, again, reality. And so it's really interesting that Timur has a familiar. And if we go back to the Books of Sorrow, you have Suthona being guided by her father's familiar, which was a bony little worm that spoke to her and guided the three sisters uh, to find the needle ship and go down into the deep. And it spoke to her. And it's interesting because Timur is the one who is asking a lot of questions. And if we continue down this line, we have um, a card from, I think it's Covalence, that's uh, attributed to this card, and it's most likely talking about Timur and it's the Ghost Fragment Dark Age 3 card. I write this because I fear none of the others know or sense it. He has been so thorough, so right, until now something snapped, infected him, turned him against his own sense of logic and reason. Uh, And that, uh, let's see... Uh, mm -mm. And also, if we continue even to strengthen it further, you have Timur's Rise of Iron weapon. It's called the Clever Dragon. And it says, Forged in honor of Timur, he whose spells cut deeper than any sword. So I think it's really interesting. I mean, we know that Bungie chooses their language really carefully, right? You, they have to be very careful what they put. And to to use cut and sword in the same time, I mean, yeah, of course they're connected those two. But if you go back to the brass familiar and connect that back to the books of sorrow and the power to cut between spaces, with it, which is sort of a uh, a technique learned by The Hive from the worm Gods, again, connecting them two together. So, uh, to connect the dots, Tumor is a warlock who's extremely interested in asking questions. And he has, to me, several dragon-esque connections and the familiar. Uh, And, I mean, in the beginning we read the card where it says the city needed power. And, I mean, they did. They they struggled in this time with warlords and, and such. So, and the power was granted by dragons. I mean, sure, we don't know. This is not the city Age. It's still the Dark Age. But we don't really know when the, the, the connection started to appear. Yeah. Uh, and the dragons knew answers to questions no one thought to answer. Again, questions which connect to Timur. Uh, and Timur is the one who leads the Iron Lords towards the Warmind and ultimately to find SIVA. And, and if you look at the, the Felwinter peak card, it suggests that in the chance meeting with Felwinter, I think it says is the first step towards uncovering this information. But why why did that topic appear? Perhaps it was Timus' questions that led him, and Felwinter could perhaps answer one of them. And, I mean, it's it's an interesting connection, and it's, I mean, it's, it's been fallen, right? So don't, don't think I have anything else to, to support that other than that. But um, the connection between Timur, the Shadows, and his and sort of always asking questions is an interesting connection. So my theory is that it connects back to the Ye- Hanqar with, with sort of this information in as the um, motivation for that. I mean, nothing suggests that Timur went out to Venus, uh, but, I mean, Gellion did find Ahamkara bones on Earth, wherever they came from.
2: Australia, we, we talked about earlier. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, they did fly around a lot, so yeah. Uh, so it, does that mean the first winter peak is on, is in Australia?
2: Mm, could be. Mm,
1: could be, yeah. It's about as probable as Ahamkara being in Australia, I suppose. Uh, so this is where I tie all of it together uh, with a lash. Uh, a spin foil ribbon that is fragile as any reality, but isn't spin foil, the finest foil, a host fine?
2: <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I like it. I think it's really interesting. Um, it, it's so often I find... Connect, you find connections like these and they don't... They have connections, but they don't really lead you to any kind of solid theory so much yeah. um, as just having these these interesting connections. It makes me wonder if Timur Yeah, if he found an Ahamkara or was in contact with one. Mm. I, I will say that this quote you have from Dark Age 3... Um, talking about Temur. Um I write this because I fear none of the others know or senses it, that he has been so thorough, so right until now. When I first read that, I thought it was after Timur got infected with SIVA, hmm. and that's why he turned against his own sense of logic and reason.
1: Interesting. But wouldn't the other notice? I mean, if you got a giant pyramid, no, not giant, but if you got SIVA coursing through you, wouldn't you notice it? Perhaps you don't. I don't know. Well, it know.
2: depends, because like, we know from the cutscenes in the Rise of Iron missions, like, you can see um, Yolder. you know, she's got, like, SIVA all over her side, right? Yeah. But, we also know that SIVA grows and multiplies, so it could be if Teemer has gotten, for lack of a better word, bitten by SIVA, Mm-hmm. Um, it's in a, you know, it's just a little spot mm-hmm. and it started to affect his brain, but yeah, it hasn't spread enough for anyone to notice that it's like, you know, all of his side. Maybe it's just in his boot or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah. I mean, you would know if you go back if you watch how, how the Iron Rolls look now. When infected by Siva, those horrible <laughs> screenshots of them, their mm. faces completely—you would notice that, right? If he yes. comes into the room like, "Hey guys," <laughs> you you would hope so. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, there's a lot of possibilities, and it's, it's just clever wording. But I mean, I always like Anum pointed out, right? You have warlords in one of the first cards in in in, in the game. They are I always read it as they mean to plant sort of little seeds just to find. I mean, they must know we we create a lot of podcasts and a lot of things about the lore. So (laughs) as much as they can build into it and later just add on, the better.
2: Yeah, and I, I definitely think that part of it is planning on Bungie's part and part of it is just the ability to leave threads that they can use later. Yeah. Like in the the, you know my favorite current example is in the House of Devils card from Vanilla. You know it's it talks about the House of Devils searching for something beneath the surface, um, of in old Russia, and like well obviously that was Siva we know that now. When they wrote that card and released it with Vanilla, did they have that plan that it was going to be the House of Devils with Siva? and Rise of Iron, or did they just write that to give themselves a thread, and then when they got around to starting to plan the storyline for Rise of Iron, they were like, hey, look, this thread we can use from Vanilla. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I've heard, I've heard information from writers that said that this is their... Um, the story we're seeing right now with Rise of Iron that a lot of people felt was just tacked on, is actually part of a a bigger plan. So it wasn't like, let's find something that we can build upon. It was, well, it was that as well, but this was more planned than we give them credit for. So they did have sort of a a plan for what they wanted to add later. Yeah.
0: Yeah. uh, Is there something let's keep staring at it now because it, the city did not rise without struggle warlords and wilderness fiefdoms clung to power uh, so that's saying before the city and then during the city legends walk through history so we have now the iron lords we are now missing saint 14's crusade against the fallen the mask of the speaker the great amkara hunt toland's madness the terrible faction wars and i guess technically the dark Below would be the horrifying disastrous effort to retake the moon so of that list we have the first and the last so i don't think that they're just like yeah that sounds good like i they have something for each of those you know yeah so they have whatever it will be with saint 14's crusade against the fallen whatever it will be when we get the the Maybe not expansion, but like mini expansion uh, for the Mask of the Speaker, for the Great Aham Karahan, for Tolan's Madness, for the Faction Wars. It's just when is the best time to bring out each of those stories yeah. is
1: the question. But it's all yeah, there. And they did bring out the Mask of the Speaker, right? During the Festival of the Last.
2: <laughs> of true. course. Sorry,
1: <laughs> I had to do that. I love that time of year when I can put on my mask and pretend I'm the speaker.
0: You can do that any time of the year.
1: Yeah, well, I do, <laughs> but it's it, it looks weird on the other occasions. It's yeah, the I one guess. time the, I can fit into the rest of the people. Yeah, that's, that's a decent point. Okay, <laughs> so. Is it my turn? Yeah, go, <laughs> yeah, ahead. go for it.
0: Okay, so mine is less of a theory and more of an observation. Um, again, with, with the Destiny Lorecast, we try to keep it strictly to the lore. We don't go looking for these connections outside of the lore because they can very easily be wrong. Uh, I, I I forgot what card it was, but um, there was a card that talked about such and such a thing, and there were connections made outside of destiny lore that were pretty much one for one connections and the author of the card was asked directly did you get inspired by this stuff outside the game and he said i never even heard of that he just walked into the connection without meaning to so you have to be very careful
2: please with give that, that speech to my high school english teacher <laughs>
0: right <laughs> yeah it just happens it's you know because history repeats itself you know whatever the whatever cosmic force is causing that to happen it just happens and i don't remember the exact uh card the exact everything like that but uh That doesn't mean you shouldn't look for outside-of-the-game connections, and sometimes when you find them, they do seem too good to be true. They do seem like they absolutely have to be right, and they still can be wrong, so just always hold them in that aspect. Uh, Now, what I will say is the Books of Sorrow were almost entirely, like 98% entirely written uh, by Seth Dickinson, uh, he also wrote he's a he's an actual like author he's not just some guy that well I mean like they're all authors but he he publishes he has he has a book published uh, that I keep meaning to get um oh my god I, I, I know the na- it, I
1: know the words the, the the trader cormorant baru right
0: yeah I get the words mixed up I, I call it baru trader cormorant but it is the trader baru cormorant. See, so you, you got it wrong too, because you said Cormorant Baru.
1: Yeah, I haven't gotten the book either.
0: <laughs> it's The Trader Baruch Cormorant uh, by Seth Dickinson. Uh, he wrote the Books of Sorrow. Uh, I've heard amazing things about it just Googling it. It's got four out of five good reads, five out of five Barnes and Noble. Um, yeah,
1: the Books of Sorrow are great.
0: Yeah, and the Books <laughs> of Sorrow are great as well. So, you know, if you're looking for a book to read, and you like the Books of Sorrow, obviously different universe, but maybe check it out. It's the same guy, so it's going to have similar uh, style in, in, some, in some ways. But back to the point. He wrote the Books of Sorrow, and he also wrote the Ahamkara. The, the, he wrote the basis for the Ahamkara. So we go all the way back up to our first card in this, and it says, uh, by Zivor Arath, the dragon's. Our gods should be ours alone. Their smug freedom is an insult to me. I'd shut them all in cells, bring them to me. Now, next week, we will be talking about the Worm Gods, so I won't get too much into this, because we are going to get much more into it then, at the end of oh. that episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about the relationship between... the likelihood between the Warm Gods being closely related to the Am... Um, excuse me, Amkara... Um, uh, so keep that in mind with what I'm what I'm going into. Uh, what we know about the Ahamkar we can glimpse on uh, the armor pieces themselves. Uh, there's not many of them because most of them are uh, actually stealing from the other pieces. Uh, the bones of Ao have as uh, as Kevin said earlier, they actually have a hive uh, piece on them. On one, on one of the knees, there's a hive piece, uh, the bone circlet. On the other leg, you have the skull of Dire Ahamkara and the young Ahamkara's spine. Uh, the sealed Ahamkara grasps are pretty uh, unique, but they don't really show much because they're sealed in silver. How much of that can you actually take away from it? Uh, the void fang vestments are void fang vestments, they're, they're robes. You can't get anything from that skull of dire amkara and young amkara spine are two that you can get a bit from you can get the spine you can get the general shape of the head the fact that they have horns but that's not really showing too much more than it's a dragon but what's really interesting is the claws of Ahamkara. <clears throat> the claws of amkara have bird-like claws with feathers now it's entirely possible that the Feathers were added there for Flare, but I feel like they were added there on purpose. So, oh, crap, I forgot to get that one card, didn't I? Uh, just one second, please.
1: It's a great exotic, the Pulse of Arm Car as I Warlock. I've used them a lot. And they look pretty cool, and except those creepy talons on your on your shoulders.
2: I feel like oh all God. of these exotics are a little bit creepy because like you're literally <laughs> wearing someone's skeleton.
1: Yeah, and one is moving. That's also another level of creepy. I love how we we as guardians like to put on stuff that we gotten from our enemies. Yeah. It's like this. This should fit my arm.
0: Okay. Uh, so then, looking at the warlock uh, robes from, I believe, House of Wolves, the Viper Spine Six. There's a story about a serpent selling knowledge. The moral is always be the serpent. So the the bones sort of depict a bit of a serpent uh, structure, but the thing is the the, the bird-like uh, claws with feathers. So then what I... Previous knowledge it's, it's came through with Destiny is uh, the Mesoamerican god, uh, Quetzal, Quetzalcoatl. I'm probably, probably butcher, butchering that name. It's been a while. Um, uh, Mesoamerican god, uh, who is the... Where is that line? Quetzalcoatl was related to gods of wind, of the planet Venus, you know, where the Amkara were first found, of the dawn, of merchants and of arts, of crafts and knowledge. He was also the patron god of the Aztec priesthood, of learning and knowledge. So that's Venus and knowledge. It's being like tossed around alongside Quetzalcoatl. Now, Quetzalcoatl also had a twin brother in their mythology. Uh, who was the opposite? Quetzalcoatl was the feathered serpent or plumed serpent, essentially a snake with feathers. So a serpent with the feathers, with the talons and the claws, and it was anamorphous as well. It can it it can become a humanoid snake feather deity thing. Uh, they were they were really weird. But so its opposite brother was Tezcatlipoca. And that god was the smoking mirror. It was the opposite to, uh, to uh, Quetzalcoatl. So what we have here is we have the Ahamkara and a smoke, smoking mirror. This the lie. That's that's what he's um, he's sort of depicted as. It's. Yeah. <laughs> hard to describe but <laughs> so in my opinion it's sort of it's sort of reflecting the ahamkara and the worm gods you have mm. this the 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 true light form and then you have the dark form uh ted's cat lapoca is usually depicted black with a yellow stripe painted across his face he is often shown with his right foot replaced with an obsidian mirror or a snake mm. uh, and uh Quetz- Quetzalcoatl is uh, also called the white Tetzcatlipoca, So it's to contrast him to the black Tetzcatlipoca, saying it's like he's the bad to the good, the yin to the yang, and or whichever, and all that. Uh, so we're sort of in with this thing of it, they're a serpent-type creature, and then to sort of further that, uh, the It goes to uh, verse 1-9, The Bargain from B- uh, Book of Sorrows. Behold my passage, behold my vast displacement, my ponderous strength, my great coiling length, my folded jaws and curled wings. Behold the hiving—and the, the rest isn't really important. <laughs> uh, that is from one of the worm gods. That's one of them speaking. So great coiling length, as uh, serpent attribute uh folded jaws i i honestly can't find anything on what folded jaws would be but curled wings uh is an is a thing from what i'm finding what i've found rather is a thing where the they the wings aren't flat they're curled upwards which causes them not to be able to fly so it sort of sounds like the worm gods are actually punished and they're forced hmm. to stay; they can't actually escape, and that's that's an attribute of the worm gods. Yeah. That, so maybe that's maybe that's why they have curled wings. I I can't really say uh, on that though. But um, there is one last thing I just wanted to say, uh, and we'll, we'll like I said we we'll, we will get really into it with the in next week's uh, podcast but hmm and I just can't can't find it oh there it is okay Uh, they had a choice they chose the hunger they chose the formless one they chose the worm gods oh that's the wrong one I'm sorry (laughs) <laughs> it was the boots
1: the boots they stood before the no that's the
0: yeah, yeah that's the one yeah. no it's not uh...
1: so while you look I mean I can just point out there's another interesting reference to dragon in uh, the gift, the gift mast yeah, from the books of sorrow. You have um, now arrives. Sivu wrath at the head of Armada. She fights the harmony for fifty years with strategies and discipline, but the harmony turned to dragon wishes, and their wishful bis- bishops wrestle Sivu in the ascended plane. I just think that, I mean that's a another interesting layer to the, the first part about the dragons that um, connects them to the worm gods and then you have they battle see in the ascendant plane
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you have uh, Albius talking about going into the void there's an interesting connection between those uh, those pieces of information did you find it or do I need to <laughs> fill out
0: oh I, I can't find it you know it doesn't even matter i was i was really just getting excited and i wanted to get into it and i guess this is uh the universe saying no you're not allowed to get into it that's for next week so just deal with it uh so just to sort of reiterate what i'm trying to say it's that we might actually have an idea of what the ankara can look like uh what they were inspired by and that they might be closely related to the worm gods, to the worms of the hive. Uh, remember in Kate's journal, he directly calls them out as parasites and the, uh, symbiotic relationship between the worms and the hive is, is very much a parasitic relationship as well Yeah, where they're feeding on the hive. If not fed, they're like a tapeworm, uh, so that actually uh, brings me to uh, the last point I wanted to make. Uh, just a thought I had today. Just thinking about this podcast, thinking about like what I would say here with all this. Um, the fact that they were parasitic. Do you think that could have been one of the things? Like, Was that the price to get anything from them? Was it always to join with them? To be like take my kids into you and they'll give you powers? Was that always the deal?
2: It certainly seems like that was the deal that the worm gods make. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the deal that the Ahamkara make is not at all clear.
1: Mm. Yeah, but it's I mean, just, it says in the, the... The city needed power, but and it sort of implies that the, the price was too great, and that's why we go after the... The, and the Ahamkara in the end. I mean, whatever we had to do to get that power, it probably was, I mean, it has to be as uh, dangerous enough for us to actually go out and hunt them, not just say, no, we're not interested in your, in your, um, what you're offering to us anymore. We well, I mean, go like out if, it, if it was
0: that good, like if, if what yeah. the Amkar offered was so good, that you would consume one of their young, if you would essentially enter the worm pact, like the city would essentially have to stop people if it got to that that point, you
1: know? Yeah, if you only got another melee charge, that probably wasn't worth it. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, I Wait, agree. But it's a variant. Very... Hmm?
2: That's what Go you get it? when you just take some of their bones and put them mm. on your arm. So oh, imagine yeah, that's true. what could happen if you. Make a pact with a, with a live one
1: Yeah
0: mm. So uh, Purple do you have uh, Any any uh, theories On this that you'd like to voice
2: <laughs> Well um, I, I don't know about theories I, I've got a few questions mm-hmm. um, So we did An episode on The Ahamkara the Ishar Collective Podcast which will come out I, it will be out by the time this podcast comes out, and mm-hmm. we had some questions we couldn't answer, so maybe you guys can answer them. Um, the the first one, which, which we kind of talked about where where they come from, we talked about that they came on Venus. We answered that question already. Um, when they arrived in the solar system, I think we kind of answered that one as well. Um, well, but my my first question was why aren't there any Titan Armor pieces made of Ahamkara bones.
0: That's an old question too.
2: It is an old question. Yeah. The original theory from year one was that the um, ah, aham, Ahamkara armor pieces help solar-based classes, and the Titans mm. didn't have a solar-based class, but they do now. We still don't have no, any that Ahamkara. That
0: doesn't. That's a. Awful theory. It's immediately debunked with <laughs> yeah. Skull of Dire Amkara. Yeah,
2: right. and
0: claws being uh, universal. Yeah. Because originally we had Skull of Dire Amkara, Young Amkara spine, uh, Void Fang vestments. And claws. Claws were year one?
1: I mean, claws uh, yeah. were vanilla? Yeah, I, I am pretty sure they were. Mm. Maybe. I'm pretty sure oh, the claws
0: were House of Wolves. You think? Pretty sure. I pretty have no sure. idea. Either way, uh, no bones of Ao were House of Wolves. Claws were Dark Below. Oh, Dark Below, okay. Uh, but so just the skull of Dire Alunkara, uh immediately would debunk that since that's a Nova bomb. Right.
2: Uh, well. What? But it's still what? we don't have any armor pieces for Titan. We have that one. What is an artifact? I think.
0: The scales of AO, yeah. yeah. Uh, the theory I remember hearing way back when on Bnet was actually stemmed from Ghost Fragment Warlock where he has that line uh, you could never things. have brought one down, brought one of these down, I said, ever. Not the greatest hunter, not the brawniest titan. So people latched onto that and since uh, before House of Wolves, before that point, we got the Bones of AO. Um <laughs> They all said, only warlocks could kill Ahamkara. And (laughs) that is the proof. And it's like, hunters retaliate, but we have the young Ahamkara spine. Obviously, only hunters could kill young Ahamkara. (laughs) That's not how that works, but okay. Uh, Everyone apparently missed how the warlock was, uh, myself included, how the warlock was under effects not to its own you know he was he was afflicted with something. Wow. Uh, so to answer your question, in my opinion, though, uh, there's one of uh, two reasons. Uh, the first being the Titan didn't give a shit. That's uh, probably true. <laughs> the and that's just to say it simply. To say it more extravagantly, look at the Hunter armor. We're scavengers. There, the fucking Kepri Sting has a live beetle. strapped to your arm you know we're using whatever we whatever we find just like gelion he was making knives out of everything his entire carb was essentially saying hey i know you guys are like my best friends but if you die i'm gonna use your bones as armor i hope you're okay with that it doesn't really matter if you're not because i'm still gonna do it like that was his entire attitude and that's why i love him uh but (laughs) warlocks they don't have that attitude they aren't scavengers they're not just looking for the newest thing to strap to their arm. But they do love the rare artifacts. And that's what Ahamkara bones are since they were hunted into extinction. They're, they're fossils of a past that was lost that they will never see again. And they hold power and they're fascinated by that. And they want that and they want to expand their power. And, uh, the the likelihood that the Ahamkara actually come from the Void uh, mm-hmm. and the Warlocks study the Void. They pass yeah. into the Void. All that nonsense. And then there's the Titans who don't care. It, <laughs> and
2: It's interesting you, you brought up that Gellion card. It just made me think um, in that card he mentions that the Ahamkara bones are too brittle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, which immediately made me think, well that's obviously why titans wouldn't want to use them
0: and as uh, armor
2: pieces because like titans are always getting up in the middle of things we don't we can't have brittle armor pieces it's not also very helpful. uh
0: just so i can actually get the right person i'm pretty sure it's uh it's the older who says it so let me open the card uh oh no it's Saladin. in uh oh oh that's the last yip it's yipped she says picking up the coyote jaw that quietest impaled helmet would you say too brittle ether bones better flexes the others follow her in wrinkling their noses usually they avoid this dim and earthy earth smelling den their presence suggests that Fellwinter is doing something unpleasant, probably involving screens. Bone, Saladin says, not carbon bronze, not plasteel. Bone's always available as a last resort. Titans don't want bone. <laughs> <laughs> they have their preference, and he's saying it right here. Yeah. He's like, why are, why are you using bone? We have better material. We, we don't need bone. We have this and and Galeon uh the hunter says if if all of you were cut down around me your light drained is he's 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 a survivalist he's not he's not thinking like we're always gonna have the city but that's a titan mindset because they are the wall of the city they they just it's it's their it's really their style like Mm. why until until the uh iron lord uh, armor sets uh not iron lord iron lord maybe i don't know until these rise of iron armor sets the only furred armor was the titan armor wasn't it like what shacks wears yeah no one else was getting fur that was like that was just their style yeah, true you know that's just what it is and uh warlock robes uh their arms are gloves while well, everyone else's arms are a full arm piece, like it's just how we divide up into our ide- ideologies. I, I would assume.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're touching on a really interesting point here. I mean, as you said, warlocks warlocks crave power, right? We crave knowledge. They're studying the void. We're entering the void. Mm-hmm. And you have hunters, i mean if you look at the night stalker, that's also about talking about entering the void, so well reaching in not entering'm not dumb uh, old, yeah uh, reaching in right there's <laughs> some kind of sorry <laughs> for like a bit of a penetration, isn't it <laughs> reaching in, pulling out uh whatever, I think there is some mention of that from Tevis, each said uh, that once, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, it's still. I mean, as you say, I mean hunters scavenge. They look for. So the hunter isn't interested in the hamkara until the warlock challenges her to go after it. But the the warlock is always looking for knowledge. And perhaps if you look at how the Amkara work in, in their hallucinations and oh mind and the solis, uh, the word I never can pronounce. The, uh, the the view that your mindset is the only existence, right? That's a very warlocky uh, uh, mindset. solipsistic. Which yeah, is actually...
0: Thank you. Uh, thank you for reminding me about that. I wanted to bring it up, but I didn't want to mess with the flow. Uh,
1: you, you keep going. Yeah, well, it's an interesting concept, and I think it, that appeals very much to a warlock. Mm-hmm. They're very interested in their own mind, when a Titan is more interested in keeping the city safe, the welfare of others.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it, I, I like where you're going with this. It's very interesting. And Titans really aren't drawn into the effects uh, that Yahamkar can provide. Yeah. And Hunters just like to carve stuff up and use it as their bones, as their knives. You yeah. get, is it Omar Ahaga, Aga or uh, Saimora that tries to use acolyte bones as Knives oh, before the end. No yeah. it was, what's it, I'm pretty sure it was Psy. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean you, you just you, you knife every everything you can find as a knife, right? Yeah. <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> if it's sharp.
2: If it's not sharp, you uh, can sharpen it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, so I really like and, and again then going back to the void part, I think it's a very interesting connection with the Traveler and the Books of Sorrow with Dragon, their wishful, wishful bishops, enter the Ascended Plane, and there's a lot of talk about the Void. So, yeah.
0: Now, uh, in Ghost Fragment Legends 3, uh, the line says, And thus the ahamkar were made extinct. Their call silenced, their solipsistic flatteries erased. Their great design, if it ever existed, broken. And I love that line, their solipsistic flatteries uh, solipsism is the idea that you are literally the only thing in existence everything else is a figment of, of like of you like it's just something that you've created because you are the center point of everything so what the omkara are essentially doing is they're like padding the biggest ego ever <laughs> like <laughs> they could not they could not give you a better compliment than what they are doing they're making you think you're the only person in the universe which is actually a really dangerous thing when you think about it, because that means like, if they can convince you what to that mindset to not, not maybe to think I'm the only person in the universe, but to sort of like have that like subconscious, like, you know, that like beneath, beneath your conscious think I'm the only person in the universe. My consequences don't exist because I'm the only one. Yeah. So when they go now, how about this deal? It just—it's like, yeah, of course. It benefits me. It kills millions. There's only me. Who cares if it kills millions? Like, it's not gonna because it's only me. But yeah, that's that's something I wanted to. Uh, God damn uh, Something I wanted to bring up.
1: So sick.
2: Well, and that brings up an interesting point as well. We kind of briefly talked about earlier what is the cost? What was the cost of the these wishes that was so high that the vanguard decided to call this great hunt? You know, there was obviously a risk that was too great that was causing them problems do do you think it was a risk from to like a, the risk to the individual guardian or was it more of a risk to the stability of the vanguard as a whole because of all these guardians going out and making deals with the ahamkara
0: risk to reality
2: could be not that not
0: i don't think it would be i don't think the ahamkara at at the point before they were hunted i don't think the ahamkara had any like personal attacks like they weren't going let's fuck with the vanguard it's they wanted to this like they had this agenda of destroying reality and that's essentially what they they would go for I think
2: yeah I don't think they were attacking the vanguard specifically but I know that the vanguard likes to keep secrets Mm. and the ahamkara like to give answers to questions no one knew to ask So it could be that the these yeah. guardians that were going out and making deals with ahamkara were getting information that the vanguard didn't want out but somehow the, the ahamkara knew it and was giving guardians that information and that's what was causing problems
1: yeah I mean you have Osiris going after ahamkara lore and that I mean that that could be could be emphasis on that what Puts a schism between him and, and the, the speaker because he's being he's being giving information he's bargaining information that is potentially dangerous for for the city in the speaker and the vanguard eyes, right? Mm. Um, yeah.
0: One one thing uh, really quick though, just to talk about uh, warlocks and uh, solipsism in in, in Destiny's. Uh, specifically, the Tengu operant uh, boots. The solipsist position is false. I could never imagine this. Not <laughs> final words before ghost intervention. <laughs> <laughs> like that. So, really, one thing I would like to uh, talk about since... Oh, wow, we actually that time up pretty nicely <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh that figures what my audio stopped recording
2: uh-oh uh, why does this know. always happen i don't know
0: okay there's nothing wrong either way you're you're recording the whole thing right yep yeah well thank god for that uh i'll keep it just so you can sync it it'll be a little easier um or do whatever I don't I don't know what the hell you do. Um, to talk about as as a final uh, statement, I guess, uh, to talk about how they, in a sense, seem to want to eat reality. What do you interpret that as? Like the line, "Reality is a fine is the finest flesh, O oh bearer mine."
1: Uh, I'll go, uh, yeah, I, I don't really know, of course, I mean, that's the obvious answer, but, again, going back to the, um, going back to the Worms, who has, I mean, Books of Sorrow, verse 2.2, 2, reality is a fine flesh, or generals ours, let, let us feast on it, it's, mm-hmm. it's very close, it's almost identical, right, so, um, well, how do you, how do you eat reality, well, as if you look at the view that your mindset is the only controlling one you by controlling sort of controlling the world around you aren't you devouring it it's a it's a weird concept but I think it stems from their their eagerness to control and to manipulate and what's that wording that their uh, great design is it yeah um. Yeah, they're
0: great design if it ever exav- Ooh, that's a good catch. They're great design if it ever existed broken.
1: Yeah. See,
0: so that actually fits. I actually missed that, and I actually had a theory in line with that, but uh, you, you
1: continue. <laughs> no, I'll, I actually would like to hear your theory on it, because uh, I don't have a lot more than, than that connection. Uh, well, before or, or I. Are you just I stalling sh- for time
0: again? <laughs> Before I share mine, uh, no, I'm not. I, I have mine in my head. It's an old theory. Uh, Purple, do you have any anything?
2: Um, not really, except that this really makes me keep thinking about the um, Ishtar Academy um, and the Vex copies of themselves and controlling reality. And there's only one reality and mm. that kind of thing, because that's just what I keep thinking about, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, from the Spooky Lorecast, however many weeks ago that was, I I had the story uh, Teeth. That was a modified uh, version of another story I'd written a while ago, which was about a hunter um, who purchased Young Amkar's spine and started uh, hallucinating. Um, So what I interpreted... The eating eating reality was sort of a Doctor Who uh, take. Uh, if, if you're familiar with Doctor Who, uh, the Weeping Angels, I forgot uh, their actual name. What they do, or just to keep it entirely Destiny, uh, what the Ahamkara would do is similar to that because it is different. Uh, what the Ahamkara would do is they would take you or take your mind, rather, and plop you in their own universe, like their own little pocket universe that they created, and it's it's fake. And they make you think that's where you are. And the essence of where you should be, like what you what you would have done, is what they feast on. Like the lack of your existence in that time is what they feast on and by that line uh their great design if it ever existed broken and i'm really curious because that's saying like what is their great design because it sort of sounds like it's this type of thing that is spoken about in uh uh conspiracy theories like the Ahamkara have this great design. They have this other universe where where it's destroyed and burn and teeth and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like the people who haven't been affected by the Ahamkara don't see that. But the people who have know it. It's like you're it's the person who was abducted by aliens. Like they know what it's like on the other side, but everyone else is like, You're stupid, that doesn't actually exist. So that's that's sort of where I where I took it. It's that the displacement of the person is the energy,
1: and that's what they feasted on. Interesting. Uh, and also coming back to what uh, what um, Purple said about about the Vex. I mean, Dr. Shim says that they and she thinks or he thinks uh, that the uh, Traveler did something paracausal to Venus, right? Mm-hmm. So we, something changed Venus, and that could have brought out the Vex. But we also know that, I mean, a lot of life sprung up. On Venus, also the Ahamkara. So it's, uh, we don't know that there, but that's where they first find the Ahamkara. So it's a very interesting concept because, as you say, an- a fake universe or another universe or a- another plane of existence and going against the void which we can enter. Mm. If you see what I'm going at, I mean, it's an interesting connection. Also, you have the pattern for the Vex. And you have the great design for the Amkara. The final shape. Uh,
0: yeah. Of the, it seems like the entire point of Destiny is that there's all these clashing forces trying to form the universe into what they want. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's crazy. That's that's really that's really heavy. I mean, you, you There's talk about cyst universes and um, artificial universes, yeah. Uh. You have the description of the Traveler inside, what could be inside the Traveler, and it's another world with great suns. I mean, it's yeah, candles. as you say. <laughs> huh? It's candles. It smells like vanilla. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't really trust Fenchurch, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah, as you say, it's very interesting um, all, pulling all these sort of different forces trying to manipulate the universe into becoming their design, their pattern the final shape. It's yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's so essentially what we're what we're saying here is is that the ahamkara themselves have a final
1: shape. Well yeah, could be. Or they feast upon each um, each person's own definition of the final shape. If you're going by the solips solicit uh, mm. view.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's also interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, I think I think that about does it. So, uh, any any other final final words before I wrap us up?
1: No, thank you for making great contributions to the lore community. To all oh. of you at the Destiny Lorecast. I love oh. listening to you guys, and I'm really glad you decided to have me on.
0: Oh, we've been wanting to for a while now. Yeah, no, I've hard been, been trying. Yeah. <laughs> well then, uh, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lorecast. Until next week, you can find us on Twitter at Destiny we, we love to hear from you. Please give us your thoughts and theories. If you'd like to help us grow, go leave a review on iTunes. Uh, um, God, I'm sorry, Kevin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, where 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 can
1: we find you? You can find me at uh, Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. Captain Kex, C P T K E X, or I have a Reddit dedicated to the Lord Chart, which is redditcom r chart, which you can check out.
0: Okay, uh, now we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we get links. Uh, we'll tweet those out. Uh, oh, you remembered? Yeah, yeah cuz you cuz you actually said that. I was like, "Wait, I remember. I remember that." <laughs> when you <laughs> when you said it out loud, I remembered it. Uh, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on. Uh, Purple, where can we find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Purple Chimera and you can find my summaries at ishtar-collective.net.
0: Fantastic <laughs> summaries and uh you have to plug that
2: again every time (laughs) you you gotta you gotta
0: plug where people can see your work like if i actually uh did anything other than this and tweet like i'd be plugging that too but like i don't i don't know i mean like we have the things um that we really can't talk about yet but (laughs) oh those (laughs) things that we're all that we're all doing with the lore and the community and (laughs) <laughs> the war community that we can't talk about yet. You know, that's fun.
2: So Anand, where can we find you? Uh, you
0: can, you can, well, um, currently right now, uh, I let my, uh, my buddy uh, Racer A. Uh, he's manning my Twitter. Uh, big shout out to him. He just got sponsored by Dido. Uh, it's, a, it's big for him. Uh, but once SRL is done, y- you can find me back on my Twitter uh, you can also find me here. Uh, I, I sit at Dunkin' Donuts every day for like an hour <laughs> before work, just so I'm not late. You know, I'm just trying to be responsible. Um, I don't know. I don't really skate anymore. You probably can't find me around my town.
1: <laughs> well, if you do a crime in Sweden, you can find me as well. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it'd be the other way around. I'm not going to, if I'm doing crimes in Sweden, I'm not going to go looking for the cops.
1: <laughs> no, no, I will find you. That's what I mean. I will okay. come looking.
0: That's what I'm saying. This is the other way around. You'll you'll come try to find oh, okay, me. Yeah, I mean, okay. you'll never find
1: me. But... I
2: don't know. That's he's got a pretty fancy say. computer program.
1: I'm just like, saying. It's like a
0: flowchart thing. Yeah, I'll you're just, in the
1: you know. Lorg, Anon. I know where you
0: are. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just tweet him. And I'm like, hey, where are you right now? And he'll tell me, and I'll go the other direction. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You don't need to record this because my bugging equipment in your house is probably still working, so I've got your audio.
0: I mean, like <laughs> with, how, we, with uh, how my with how anything audio related and me goes, you probably don't have my audio. <laughs>
2: that's probably true actually. <laughs> with all the trouble we've
0: had. Oh my God, I'm just audio cursed either way,
2: <laughs> on that note.
0: <laughs> Goodbye, Guardians. Uh, bye bye. See you next week with the you know, warm, 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 warm lore cast.
2: <laughs> bye.
1: Bye.
2: <laughs>